welcome back to an urgent podcast alert. Today is Easter 2019, episode 14. It is our Fortnite episode, momentous occasion. Mm-hmm. Pat's doing the Fortnite dance as we speak. Yep. And we're going to keep it real with you guys. We have about 15 minutes until guests walk through the door to watch Game of Thrones. Sometimes you got to prioritize. But uh, that being said, we care an awful lot about all the listeners out there. And what we really wanted to do was get online and give you guys a piece of our mind in mm-hmm. the uh, in the few minutes we can spare. Because by God, it's been it's been a week, or I guess two weeks since we've last spoken. Yeah, two weeks since we last spoken. A lot has changed, and we can now call it a recurring segment. And nothing has changed. We can call it a recurring <laughs> segment. Does anyone want to finish in the top four? But two teams do. I, uh, <laughs> and they're going to finish first and second. So I think we have a couple musings that we want to touch on. First and foremost, I just, we, we have to do justice before just sliding right into the top fours DMs. This is one of the best title races of all time. Yeah. We got to lay it out there and just give props to, I, 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 be- I believe Liverpool just set the record for their most points in a the season. They're at 88 right now. Yeah. Which would have been beating their, the Jared slip season. Right. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, they, they, Liverpool, best ever season they've had. It's still cities to lose. They're they're second in the table, but they have a game in hand. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Like, I'm not missing a City or Liverpool game at this point, just because I don't talk about it on the podcast, because there's more important things. Doesn't mean we're not dealing with... <laughs> we, it's incredible. These two teams are... They're setting a new standard in the Premier League. Is that fair to say? It's, it's really... Uh... Pretty insane. I, I think you, you there have been, obviously, title run-ins of the past where uh, you would have I, the one that ended in bitter disappointment for myself when you had City and United going at it, the Aguero in the last minute. That, mm-hmm. was, that was a run-in in the sense that it went down to the last day to the very last minute. Uh, when United won in 08, um, it was another last day uh, battle with them and Chelsea. And Chelsea ended up actually drawing the game so it ended on different points totals but that was a goal difference battle right down to the last day this one to answer your question it feels like both teams are claiming they have historic teams and are setting historic precedent in a way that other teams were either continuing that on or um maybe felt like it wasn't a vintage year even though they were up there yeah it's like you're i'm I'm almost thinking will 90 points ever win a premier league again of course it will, but like that's the that's the pace that they're yeah. they're at. Where, you know, I wanted Arsenal to finish on eighty points. They're not going to get there, and they're going to be twenty points off the pace. And you have beautiful things happen, like Leicester. The year they won the the title was they were somewhere in the eighties with their points. Is that right? They were low eighties. It I was think a low, was low seventies. It was a low haul, and that you know it. In hindsight, being 2020, those were the years where City and Liverpool were kind of stockpiling their resources. United right. said they were doing the same, and yet here we are on what people are calling the darkest day in our history since uh, Fergie left. So, oh wow, that's a, that's a little much. <laughs> um, so let's get on to our musings now that we've tipped our hat to yeah. uh, the beauty of the title race and the Premiership as we know it. My first question, in the same vein as does anyone want to finish in the top four, is the prospect of a Chelsea-Arsenal Europa League final, a loser leaves the Champions League game? That would that would really raise the stakes. I think Tottenham, I'm going to say, is going to be a lock. I for think the they're four? a lock for the top four. I think they've got a fairly easy run-in. 
um, now that they've gotten past, well, not gotten past, the yeah. fixture has passed against City. They lost that game. But it is really shaping up, I think, Chelsea and Arsenal to make that the fourth and fifth place, but the winner of the Europa League game deposing whoever is in that fourth place spot. Therefore, like a true final high stakes game. I hope it is. That would just be that would just be cool. But what do you mean to like moving somebody out? Okay, so let's say this. Like you think United is going to get all the way up to No, no, no. So fourth? here's here here are the assumptions I'm making. Okay. Hit me. Tottenham 3rd, United 6th. It doesn't look good, folks. It doesn't. Uh 4th and 5th, however you want to play it. Chelsea, Arsenal. Sure. They're 4th and 5th going into that Europa League final game. Winning the Europa League conquers a 4th place berth. You can have five teams go to the Champions League. Is that right? So, so if Chelsea finished fourth and Arsenal finished fifth. The year United won Europa, finished like eighth or whatever. There were five teams in the Champions League. Right, but what I'm saying is if Chelsea finished fourth, Arsenal finished fifth, and Uh, won the Europa League, they would knock out Chelsea's berth. Or I don't think all five teams go. I'm pretty sure they do. We'll have to fact check that on our next one. Yeah. Well, I like the prospect of a high-stakes game. Let's just say whoever wins that game finishes fourth as well. Let's just say that that's what's at stake. <laughs> For the sake of argument, so we don't get caught up on semantics. Um, it seems likely, given the draws, it seems like they're both favorite in their respective teams. And that is doing an absolute disservice to Valencia. Just completely overlooking a team that United drew and lost to in the group stage of the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, look, good evening. We got a mastermind who did it in La Liga. I'm not worried about that. For for what it's worth, you know, as awful as today was for Arsenal, they've looked very strong in that competition. In the Europa League. Oh, that's Unai's special sauce. Yeah, and so I have a weird sense of, set of confidence, especially around a two-legged tie, given how well Arsenal's played at home. Again, we're not taking today into account. I favor them. You know, and, I think most people would favor them. Right. And I think that they're playing, it almost seems like that is their purpose. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like that they now see that trophy. Mm-hmm. Whereas last year at this time, they drew Atletico. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is, the, they put a lot of pressure. This is the last thing we could possibly win for Wenger. And they weren't the better side. Right. And so now I think they're, they, maybe it's a toss up. There wasn't they're... an Atletico in the pot this year. Sure. That said, the way that you guys brushed Napoli aside, um, who I thought was the strongest team alongside Chelsea and Arsenal, was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't do it to Crystal Palace. No, couldn't do it to Crystal Palace. And I wanted to call out, uh, I thought I was having a strange pipe dream when I watched the highlights, seeing yeah. uh, Carl Jenkinson line up in there, in the back line. Sir Haven't Carl seen... Jenkinson. Sir. He, uh, the knighthood is, uh, yeah. I think, on the table. I don't know if it's been <laughs> confirmed yet. But uh, he was quickly and promptly removed at halftime on their way to a 2-3 uh, defeat. At yeah. Home. So that that is one of the things I really do admire about Unai Emery is he's not afraid to make changes when necessary. One of the things I have a gripe with Unai Emery is you're, you're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. You trot out a B team. It's a, it was a FIFA lineup. You're at home against Crystal Palace. You play five in the back. Your two midfielders, as much as I love them, El Nenny and Ginduzi. You're putting Ozil, Lacazette, and Aubameyang up top. That is a FIFA line. Aubameyang did not start. Yeah, he did. I don't believe so. Yeah, I watched. I watched the whole game. Okay. I was upset enough. I woke yeah, okay, up. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll defer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did start. I thought he played well. I thought Ozil played well. Well, he got a goal. Yeah, they, they both, both got goals. 
And I mean, I thought Lacazette was okay, but it's if a team's going to come into your place, Palace is fine with the point. They're going to sit back. They're going to be able to kind of control those three guys. Those three guys aren't dynamic enough on their own in most cases to break out. Actually, that might even not be true. They got two goals. You get you can see the three to Palace at home. Yeah. You were on the receiving end to Christian Benteke's first goal in a calendar year. Jesus. I didn't know that still got you a job as a striker. Uh, well, you know, whoever's coaching Arsenal on defending set pieces has had a job seemingly for years because nothing has changed. Don't know how to hold a line. Don't know how to mark. Chose to not mark. The one guy that, I mean, if there's one thing, if, if there's one way to contain Benteke, what do you do? Just guard him on a set piece. Other than that, don't even look at him. What'll it be this year, boys? Zone? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not to pull Stephen A. Smith, but that man is a bona fide scrub. <laughs> and you let him score. I mean, a little cross-hybrid of pollination of sports. Uh, Benteke really oh, uh, the silencer. pulling out the LeBron silencer first goal in over a year. But the uh, second goal, horrible on Mustafi. To let Zaha get in as clean as he did. I mean, and third goal is another set piece, and so it's it's the the, the basically my whole point here is the quality of the Premier League is high enough that if you send the message to the other team, this is going to be a cakewalk for us. Which is I think that's what you do when you trot out Marvin Opos after looking horrible against yeah, Watford. As much not, as I like, has his, not covered himself in glory. No, he has looked horrible. Can't Co- wait for Callum Chambers to come back from Fulham. I actually can't. I'm excited about him. Rob Holden coming back from injury. Bellerine coming back from injury. Mm. Future England great. Yeah. Let's not pretend like Arsenal has a full set of defenders out there. But they have people. And and, and to give Emery a little bit of credit, uh, Socrates is suspended. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't an option. But maybe play four in the back against Palace at home. Mm -hmm. Have some conviction and go for the result. And, you know, they got got it back. They got it. But it just wasn't enough in the end. And, I mean, it it was a deserved result for Palace. Which yes, you cannot was, say at this point in the season if you're Arsenal. You can't deservedly lose to Crystal Palace at home. Yeah, to be fair, it was the first blip in an otherwise really strong home record. But yes, I yeah. mean... It's it's the bad time to it's, lose. It's uh, it's the uh, it's the beauty of who wants to finish in the top four. It yeah. seems like nobody does. Yeah, and moving on. <laughs> United, um... Ugh. You want to hear my morning? So Did you get up for the game? Five. Okay, folks. 5.30 a.m. Los Angeles time game. Normally, now that I have uh, the boys at Luna Park, shout out, we decided to subscribe for cable. So oh, shit. DVR. Big up. Well, I mean, this was a while ago. This was this entire season. That's oh, how I've okay. been bringing this amazing content to the people. Mm. DVR. So I set it, go to bed, wake up at 8.30, mm. turn over my phone, and I've got those handy-dandy Google alerts. They're like, ooh, we noticed you've been researching Manchester United. Here's how they did today. <laughs> Turn over my phone. I see 4-0 Everton. Turn the phone back over. Go to sleep. What time did you wake up after that? Yeah, 10.30. Did you watch the game? I brought myself to watch the highlights about two, three hours ago. Okay. And by highlights, I mean the Everton goals. Yeah, I was going to say. Because that was pretty much it. And we can get into the minutiae of the game. The one thing, if if this is a short, condensed episode I want to raise with you, is I feel like this United squad can be bucketed into... Two types of players. Mm-hmm. And I think I should preface this first by saying Moyes, Van Hal, Mourinho, the facade that the players have been able to hide behind is that they are enigmatic and polarizing managers. And you were always able to hide behind whatever their faults may have been. Van Hal was this. Mourinho was this. And it kind of took some of it away. What you're seeing with Ole, as an inexperienced as he is, 
the fans, what I would consider true fans, are 100% behind him, at least for the remainder of the season. Love him. Could not do a thing wrong. So now we're really looking at the players under a microscope. You should be. Which brings me to my point. Two buckets of players at United. One, players who don't know what it means to play at United or don't seem to care. Mm-hmm. Two, players who just aren't good enough. Gotcha. And I... That's a brutal, brutal way to categorize your team. Yeah. Or you could make a third bucket of players who are promising. The third I would just put is De Gea. In your... Oh, I think De Gea is starting to look at ways out. I think in the right set of circumstances, he's fine. This is, I mean, it's just defeating season. This might also seem like a rant at all players. I, I don't want to make it that way. Like, De Gea, he's made mistakes. I don't care. He can do no wrong. Best goalkeeper in the world. I'm keeping him. I don't have a problem there. Sure. Yeah, you look at these games... And the amount of effort that went into them. And you're wondering, where is where is the Roy Keane? Where is that player who, if you're not giving 100%, is going to fucking yell in your ear? Yeah. And you've got the supposed best players on the field, Pogba, Lukaku, Martial. I would bucket them in those players who should be setting the tone. And right. they don't seem to care. And I wonder, I'm racking my brain over why this is. I mean, Why there's just this it was, apathy. After, correct me if I'm wrong, but after Ferdinand left, it's been Valencia or Young who've basically worn the armband the captains, whole time, right? Our captains have not been captains. Right. In the traditional sense. Your captains have been people who've played very hard for the badge. They're people that I think you would say are united through and through, but are in that category, at least at this point in their career, mm-hmm. that just aren't good enough if you want to, especially with this new pace, the Premier League, be that united. Yeah. Right, and so I think uh, a quality of a captain—they might not be the most talented or skilled, but they were the most assured. And that is a skill in of itself on the soccer pitch. You might not be the best player, right? But you would very rarely put a foot wrong, and that's what gave you—that's what empowered you to either bring up or give other players a rollicking in the ear when they needed it. Right, and that's exactly who's who's talking to Pogba. Who's talking to Sanchez? That's exactly the right. Who's calling out Marshall? I think I think what what the the surge that Olay brought yeah. was the reins are off, boys. Show your talent, and they did. And then they got hit with some adversity. Yes. And every team gets, exactly every team is going to get hit with adversity. We talked about this with Arsenal, and I, who do they turn to? And United. I mean, I, it's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up because I see I see that fire in Young in Valencia. I see that in McTominay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's in that he's in that group of players that I think. I don't want to say McTominay's who you build your team around, but get Maddish the fuck out of there and start putting McTominay in that role. Like, let him grow in that role. Maybe that's a little extreme, but he's a guy who I'd say, that guy's playing for the badge. He's I, I don't see him making that many mistakes that another 20-year-old wouldn't make or whatever and, old he is. And here's where I want to <laughs> offer, I guess, my own counterpoint where it could easily just be like a go in on the players, like roll call, tell them why they're messing up. What is going on at United where players who have brought in uh, with glorified resumes have just been underperforming? It goes back. It goes way back. You've got Sanchez, which I think warning signs were there. Yeah. I tried to warn you. I did. I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's still a few games left in the season. He can really come good, I think. (laughs) If the Chilean Chilean gets you into the top four, I don't know. You you name your price. I'll do anything you want. There's no way. (laughs) Yeah, did not come on as a sub. No. 
You're staring. You're staring down a two nil, three nil, four nil against Everton. You do not bring on Alexis Sanchez. That is damning. Uh, Matic came in, started strong for United. It's just he's been average for the longest time. It goes back to Angel Di Maria, um, who re- really just did not fit in at United. And if the list grows longer and longer, I can't think of a player who's been a quote unquote success transfer at United since post Ferguson. I don't know if that goes to our policy. Another one, Falcao. You know, like to a certain extent you can be like, why are all these players busts? But I True. wonder what's happening at United that is not empowering these players to play their full potential. Yeah. I mean you were looking you, you got rid of Mikatarian as well. Mikatarian underperformed. You know? Yeah. You can even take it to the Schneiderlins of the world. The yeah. Daily Blinds of the world. Luke uh, Shaw's kinda of having a good season, but this is by far his best United campaign. And he's still not even scraping the best left back in the Premier League conversation. No. So, no. I, to all, I guess, United fans out there, I, I, I think it was easy to get swept up in the fervor of how amazing it was to go on that run and have all A. But when you look at ourselves languishing in sixth place and, you know, barring a miracle result at the, at the Derby on Wednesday, we fully deserve to be there. Yeah. And it's time to start asking the questions of the players, one, and then of the way... United treats those players, whether it's technical director policy, of which we don't have, right? managerial, and then all A, you get your summer, and then it's on you. Yeah. Come in the new season. I think that's an important distinction because I think that what Olay did was he showed signs of hope, and then what you've also seen is that it's not just... It, it wasn't as simple as let these players be free. We have all of this talent. We don't... They're, they're, they need to make another evolution. And I think it starts with... with like you said, it, the lack of technical direction can't help because you have to point to the board. And you have to look at Woodward yeah. if all of these people that get brought yeah. in. Like you, you could make the case that Arsenal got the better of the Mkhitaryan Sanchez swap, one hundred percent, which is a ridiculous thing to say. Well, it's not even about pitch performance. That we're, I mean, yeah, boys, we are here to rant. Uh, it's not even pitch performance. He has created an absolute war zone as far as salary negotiation. Oh, it's brutal. He set a benchmark for what players should get paid, and when they see how he performs on the pitch, it's a nightmare scenario. Um, but but I, I, the one point I did want to make yes. on that is, with Ole, he should be judged on next year, fully and entirely. Yes. He should get a full summer to, to craft his team. You should see whether or not the board supports him or not, because mm-hmm. he does have that inexperience. Mm-hmm. The board might put a little bit of financial hamstrings on him because they don't necessarily trust him with his purchases. And so, I think oh, the question they need to right. They need to. I but think what I'm saying is, it's a really thing. interesting space yes. because they might not be willing to give him 250 million dollars to spend, mm. but he might need that in today's you, market. In today's, yeah, and in like they might not be okay with him transferring Matic out or Mata out or Sanchez out. Without, the way he's you know, speaking, the way he's speaking with the candidness of like we're doing a full overhaul. Yeah. If you're not playing for the badge, you're gone this summer. I have, have I have faith it. he's had some conversations with Woodward. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I you like to hope that Woodward is, has at least a little bit of foresight and can say, look, we can't set him up for failure. We need to give him a shot because eventually, you're right. The conversation needs to start to shift to Woodward into the players. Mm-hmm. Moyes was all too convenient because it was just after Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Van Hall comes in after a good World Cup campaign, makes some real interesting purchases. Not really the... You, you could tell he was rubbing some people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Mourinho brought initial stability, but then clearly it fractured even further after that. And I think Matic is... I don't want to like downplay him, 
he might just be perfect for Mourinho. He might be. Mourinho he was just so guy. good at Chelsea, and he was so good in the first couple seasons at United, and he seemed to disappear this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that if he can play within that system, he shines. But he was gone. Yeah. So um, I'd be interested to see if Mourinho lands somewhere. Maybe Matic goes there as well, because I really do think that they're a great fit. And that leads me into the last thing I want to say in United. Penny for Mourinho's thoughts to go from an absolute, uh, I think, best winning streak from a new manager coming in. Right. Uh, eight yeah, games yeah, yeah, yeah. on the trot of, or something. Of all time. Not, to, not, not, yeah. to what is now, I don't know what the right word is. I don't. I hate to call it a meltdown because we're kind of back where we started. Yeah. And back where we started isn't even Mourinho. It's back where we started since Fergie left because it feels like we've just spun ourselves in circles. Yeah, let's not remember. Like Mourinho won a, won a trophy. Got mm-hmm. you second in the Premier League. You know, there was there were some significant things that he was doing with this club that, I mean, there's a f- clear and evident drop-off season three, yeah. which is the Mourinho lifespan. It was clear that that needed to change. But just a year ago, things were very different for United. There were title hopes going into going into this time of the year. There's a little bit of a stretch at this point, but, I mean, I remember you talking, like, hey, if we get this, we're six points off, they drop points, you yeah. know, there's a chance. So I wonder if Mourinho and Solskjaer, in a, in a theoretical world, sat down and had a conversation. I wonder what Mourinho would be telling Solskjaer about these players. Yeah, I... If, if I'm... To, to be perfectly candid, I think you're on... I, you're, you're only four points off the pace. You Which have is, a game against Chelsea... You can count on Arsenal losing one of these games, it seems like. Which I do. You can count on Tottenham maybe losing one of these games, even though they're running... Tottenham, I'm, I agree with you. I think they're through I the top four, yeah, at yeah, least. At least the top four. Um, but I, I, I count on Arsenal dropping points. Chelsea United have to play each other. I mean, I think you got to go for it, but I think he, that this is his time to start to identify the character of his team. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, I think we're about to get broken up here by our guests. Hang on. Urgent podcast alert. Final note. Uh, Andy... The engineer Samora oh, yes. sent through a book report. Uh, we are not going to have a chance to talk about it. However, you can we will talk in. about it on the next episode. We already preface our listeners. We're going to be sending this thing out. We will now be listening to Game of Thrones. <laughs> Goodbye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another book report on Prem de la Prem. James and Patrick, uh, who's to say why... Uh, They wanted me to uh, report back in, but I am honored to provide a little bit of knowledge uh, from what I've gained the past two months. To be perfectly candid, the answer is not much. I have been very busy the past few months watching Game of Thrones prediction videos, uh, just my typical sports engineering workload and then also the Los Angeles Football Club is in first place this season but I know that the listeners don't care about that per se but by hook or by crook we are back on the reporting train so Leicester City I saw that they are actually in the playoff push. Uh, from the last book report check-in to now, it appears that they've improved since hiring their new coach, a Mr. Brandon Rogers. Currently, they are seventh, uh, which, which I don't know, James Patrick, you would call that mid-table or perhaps uh, upper table. I'm not sure. But it, it looks like they're behind all the all the big names that most – Americans would identify Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United. But once again, I'm glad that they 
that uh, the filbert foxes have charged on and uh, not embarrassed themselves. I did see that there was an article about what their new manager said to them his first game. I didn't actually read it, but I just saw that the players were very confident in what he said, and it had something to do with he has the same expectations in them as they should have in him or some similar ear candy. In all reality, that should be the working relationship with any professional superior subordinate relationship. You should always have trust in the person managing you. Your profession, nevertheless, it does not matter. You should always have faith in your coach, your boss, your project manager, etc. I also saw a fun little tidbit on some of the nicknames at Leicester City. Uh, not only is James Mad Dog Madison my favorite nickname, but there was a slab head, a slap stick, and uh, I still haven't heard about what that Casper gentleman's nickname is, but there has to be a ghost reference in there somewhere. And uh, another Game of Thrones uh, potential there as well, as Jon Snow's dog is named Ghost. But I'm excited to see the end of the Premier League, and uh, the gentlemen, James, Patrick, have invited me to watch a game with them at some point, so I think that's going to be the next step in my football education to watch a Premier League game with Premier League experts. And hopefully it's a Leicester City game. And I hope that they can keep improving and eventually win another championship. So with that, thank you to James Patrick for hosting me on Prem de la Prem. And you guys enjoy your weekend. Take care. Bye.